Lord, we're here for a while this evening to look at your word and to have you speak to us. We know, O oh Lord, that there are many things that concern us, questions of health, some are tired, some are frustrated, some are discouraged, some are encouraged. We thank you, O oh Lord, for the, the news of Sarah being engaged to George, and we pray your blessing to be upon them. We ask that you would bless all your people and that you would bless us so that we could be a blessing to others. Help us now as we look at your word and help us to apply it, uh, not just now, but in every part of our lives and for as long as you grant us on this earth. For we ask it in your name. Amen. Okay. Uh, all these commandments concern our relationships. In each of them, the negative prohibition is balanced by a positive command, and in each, a reason is given. One of the most difficult things, I think, that you and I have is what we say. Some of us, and I'm looking in the mirror, have very big mouths, and we wish sometimes we hadn't said what we had said. All of us are able to communicate with our mouths, and what we communicate is vitally important. So verses 29 to 30, first of all, tell us that we are not to use our mouths for evil, but rather for good. It would also it would be helpful if you had a Bible there just to stick with this, because it's a little bit, um, Paul condense, condenses it. Now speech is just an incredibly wonderful thing. It's an incredible gift of God and a vital part of being human. It's very, very different from any other form of communication that animals have. Cows moo, pigs grunt, dogs bark, but only humans speak. And no matter how you try and get around that, we know that animals communicate with one another, but they really do not converse. But we do. And in that sense, we are made in the image of God. God speaks, and when God speaks, things happen. But in Ephesians 4, here we are warned about something that's translated in the NIV, unwholesome talk, or it could also be translated evil or rotten. It's a word, sapros, you get that from the tree sap. And if the tree was rotten, it would be sapros, rotten sap. The ideas of rotten trees and rotten fruit. What we say reflects what we are. What we say reflects or is very often the fruit of our lives. And sometimes what comes from our mouth is rotten. It is vulgar, it is dishonest, it is unkind, it hurts. It's what I would call the decaying effect of bad language. And bad language can be used, we use that expression in lots of different ways. It's not just swearing, but it's everything involved with that. In Colossians 3 verse 8, Paul says, now you must rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Let me make just a general cultural observation. Maybe it was a little bit my upbringing, but also maybe where I, I grew up. You heard swearing, not in my own home, 
but you heard it in school and you heard it in different places. But it seems to me that we live in a culture now where I'm, I'm personally no longer shocked by language. You, you hear it all the time. And the word I would describe, a lot of the language that I hear from people, it's just, it's ugly. It's not even that it's swearing or that it's offensive. It's just ugly. That in terms of what he calls filthy language. And another time, I remember once I was working with a group of women uh, picking out stones from a potato machine that was digging up the potatoes and there was eight of us on the machine and I was the only guy. And these seven women, and boy, if you think that men can swear, these women could swear, and their language. But it wasn't just the, the swearing, it was the, just the, the sexual content of their conversation, which seemed to almost be 90% of what they were saying. And it was, it was crude, it was ugly, it was horrible. But it's, of course, Paul is referring to even much, much more than that. The whining and the moaning and the complaining and the, the fighting and the destroying of people. And he says to us, just don't do that. He's saying, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. The contrast is, use your words to build people up. Don't use your words to knock people down. Only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. That's a very good criteria for our conversation. To what extent does it benefit people who listen? If you've got your Bible, turn to James, and you know the the passage, James chapter 3, but it's worth reading again. It just reminds us of the incredible power that each of us has. James chapter 3 verse 1, page 1214. Not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. If anyone is never at fault in what he says, he's a perfect man, able to keep his whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds and reptiles and creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by man. But no man can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father. And with it we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. If we are a new creation of God, then one of the things that we have to do is develop new standards 
of conversation. We do not use the power that God has given us in our tongues to rip people to shreds, to gossip about them, to harm and to wound others. We will not want to hurt people with our words, but rather we will want to encourage and help and cheer and comfort and stimulate them. And that's a, that's a, a, a tough standard. Matthew chapter 7 Verse 17, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. The fruit that Jesus is speaking of is so many different things, but it includes the fruit that James was speaking of, of what we say I tell you, says Jesus, Matthew 12, 36, that men will have to give account on the day of judgment for every careless word they have spoken. For by your words you'll be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. It's interesting, isn't it? Because so many of us as Christians say, that's what we do, not what we say that really matters. When did that division come in? Because what we say does really matter. What we say reflects who we are, and what we say is also part of our doing. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me. Never understood that as a child. Don't understand it still. I remember as uh, a young kid, I would much rather have been beaten up or attacked physically than being verbally abused. It is uh, something that in the church we need to think about how we build one another up. Malachi 3 verse 16 gives us a big hint about how we do that. It talks about how then those who feared the Lord met together and they talked. And what did they talk about? They talked about the things of God. And the things of the Lord. What do people find to talk about? What's the gossip about? You um, listen to people talking. You go on a bus and you listen to people talking. You sit in a cafe and you listen to people talking. What are they talking about? If you could do that, if you could hear yourself what you were talking about. What are we talking about? We'll talk about the weather. You might talk about clothes. You might talk about television. Talk about the football talk about things that are relatively harmless but then everyone loves a juicy bit of gossip we'll talk about that we may like to justify ourselves and complain to other people we'll talk about that but how often do we talk about things that will build other people up and especially about Jesus Christ now That's what Paul says. And then he does uh, a rather extraordinary thing because he introduces the Holy Spirit. Back in, sorry, back into Ephesians chapter 4. He says, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Behind the activities of human beings, there are the activities of invisible personalities. 
Do not give the devil a foothold, he said earlier. He's warned us about the devil. He tells us now that we are not to grieve the spirit. Isaiah 63 and verse 10. God's people, it says in the previous verses how God has redeemed them, how God has saved them. And then it says, but they rebelled against his Holy Spirit and they grieved his spirit. How do we grieve the spirit of God? Let me just say something about the Holy Spirit. It's very important that we remember the spirit is one part of the Trinity. The spirit is personal. And that you cannot grieve something that's impersonal. You cannot grieve the chair. You cannot grieve um, your car. You can only grieve something personal. Christians, there's a whole group of Pentecostal Christians in America, about 25% at one point, who were people who regarded just there was one God but they were not Trinitarian. They didn't recognize, it's amazing to me, that they were Pentecostal, that they didn't recognize the Spirit as being God in, a, in the sense of part of the triune God. The Holy Spirit is personal. We don't read a great deal about him. When we use the word spiritual, in the Bible at least, it usually means connected with the Holy Spirit. And uh, it's important, as I say, for us to recognize the personality or the personalness of the Holy Spirit. To grieve means to cause sorrow, to cause hurt, to cause pain, to cause distress. How can that happen? If God is God, how can anything you or I do or you or I say grieve cause distress or pain or hurt to the Holy Spirit? Well, it's in the name. He is holy. Therefore, anything that is unholy grieves him. Colossians 2 verse, uh, sorry, Ephesians 2.18, for through him we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. It's by the Spirit we have access. Uh, chapter 4 and verse 4, there is one body and one Spirit that we are brought into the church of Jesus Christ. And what Paul is saying here is when you gossip, when you use filthy language, when you abuse people, when you hurt people, when you knock down people with your words, that is incompatible with the purity and unity of the church and it is incompatible with the nature of the Holy Spirit and therefore it hurts the Holy Spirit. He is the spirit of truth and he hates the misuse of speech. Chapter 1 verse 13 says we are sealed with the spirit. We are, there's a, a, we're included in Christ, marked with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. When you become a Christian, the Holy Spirit is God's stamp upon you. But there's going to come a day as well where there will be a day of redemption. You were sealed for, verse 30, the day of redemption. The Spirit seals us. The day of redemption is when our bodies will be liberated, when we no longer feel pain, when we no longer experience sorrow, when we no longer decay, when we no longer suffer. 
Between those two, the sealing of the Spirit when we become Christians for the day of our redemption, the redemption of our bodies, between those two points, that's where we're at just now. That's the beginning and the end of the salvation process. And in between these two points, we journey and we seek not to grieve the Spirit who enables us to be born again, who makes us born again, and not to grieve the Spirit who is going to raise our bodies from the dead. The Spirit hates sin, hates discord, hates falsehood. And those of us who are His people, we too will instinctively shrink away from those because we want to bring him pleasure and not pain. Now that's the argument that Paul uses. And so in verse 31, he then goes on to say, and this means don't be unkind or bitter, but rather kind and loving. So there's a progression. Don't let unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Think about what you're saying so that you can build other people up. Don't grieve, hurt, wound the Holy Spirit. Remember that you were sealed for the day of redemption. And therefore, these six very unpleasant forms of behavior, you you just get rid of them. The old English word is mortify, put to death, push them out. Let me list them, what they are. Bitterness. Uh, I love the kind of Greek words that come in with this. Picria, we say something that's it's piquant. It's sour. It's if you have, you it's not like sweet and sour. It's just sour. And there are people who are sour. You, I heard a woman describe once, and you, none of you would want to be described like this. Uh, she's awfully sour-faced. Um, you do not want to be described as sour-faced. It's You don't want to know people like that. Someone who has a negative and cynical outlook on life. An embittered and cynical spirit which refuses to be reconciled. There's a bitterness and a hardness and a sourness. We need our lives to be infused by the sweetness of God's grace and our speech to reflect that. And then he speaks of rage and anger. Put those two things together. The first one is passionate rage, losing your temper, just letting rip. Anger is a word, amore, which is settled and sullen hostility. Just somebody we saw this morning who just has just a whole lot of anger in their heart and an angry attitude to everyone and everything. And that leads to brawling. Get rid of the brawling. People who get excited, raise their voices in a quarrel, start shouting and screaming at one another. I've not seen this much in a church. I have seen it uh, a couple of times, made for a very, very interesting service. But uh, you you don't see it much. You may see it when people are fueled with drink. You may see it between neighbors sometimes, but it can happen. I heard of a church meeting recently where some people came to speak, and um, I think what they were saying was wrong, but they were booed, and people shouted at them. 
I don't think that that is the, the spirit of the Holy Spirit. I don't think that that is the spirit of Jesus Christ. Brawling, fighting with one another. Slander is the other word that he uses. Uh, blasphemy. He's saying, don't blaspheme one another. You can blaspheme God, but you can also blaspheme one another by speaking evil of others, especially behind their backs, and so destroying their reputation. It is so much better to have somebody speak to you to your face and tell you what they think and to do as we've already read in Ephesians, to speak the truth in love, to truth in love. It's horrible when we miscall people behind their backs. I uh, was involved in something recently where I made a comment in an email about a piece of art that I didn't particularly like. And unfortunately, the artist read the email. uh, And I had a bit of a discussion with them afterwards. And I was told, you shouldn't do that. And I said, well, I thought it was a private email and so on. But in writing or speaking to the artists concerned, I said to them, well, at least you have the advantage of knowing this, that when I praise you for your work from now on, you'll know it's for real. Because they had been used. And they admitted this. Everyone said, oh, it's wonderful. Oh, it's great. But it's what people don't say to your face. It's what people say behind your back that is much more significant and much more important. And Paul says, don't do it. Don't slander people behind their backs. It's a generally pretty good rule not to say something about somebody that you wouldn't say to their face. There may be exceptions to that. But... uh, uh, it's, it's just too easily done. And that leads to the last one, along with every form of malice. And malice is ill will plotting, trying to get people to stumble and to fall. In place of all these, what are we to do? We get rid of these things, and we are, to verse 32, be kind and compassionate to one another, Forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Kind, here is a word, Christos, which is just like Christos, Jesus. And that's, Paul is deliberately making that play on words. He's saying, just think of Christ. You think of kindness, Christos, then you think of Christos. Uh, You act Christ-like because God in Christ has acted in grace towards us. So the believer remembers how kind God has been towards him, how very tender God has been towards her. God knows our crimes, God knows our sins, and yet he treats us as if we had never sinned at all. He does not blame us for anything. And so Paul says to us, if you are Christ, if you are Christos, if you are Christians, Then be kind. How can you continue to bear grudges against others? I recently was looking at a piece of information and 
There was a name came up that I hadn't seen for a while. And you know, the first thought when I saw that name was, oh, remember what they did to you? How can you do that? How can I bear a grudge when Christ doesn't bear any grudges against us? If we look at the cross, we too can only forgive. You cannot look at the cross and hate. You cannot look at the cross and continue with the malice and the slander and the brawling and the rage and the anger and the bitterness. Great theme in Ephesians for Paul is union with Christ. Being united with Christ is what makes us a Christian. It's also what makes it impossible for us to live the way we used to. Now some people will say, but I do get angry and I do slander and I am bitter at times. Does that mean I'm not a Christian? Well, yes, it does if you're comfortable with that. It does if you continue in it. It does if you choose to ignore and grieve and quench the Holy Spirit. It does if you forget the cross. If you said, I hurt the Holy Spirit, I forget the cross, I don't look to Jesus, does that mean I'm not a Christian? The answer is yes, probably it does. If you're saying, I am a Christian and I do look to Jesus and I don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit, but these things still happen and I'm not perfect in speech, as James says, I'm not perfect in my heart, I'm not perfect in speech, then it means you are a Christian, but it also means that as the Spirit is grieved, so you yourself are grieved when, the, if you like, the old nature within you is fighting away, seeking to regrain ground that has been lost. We want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We want to know the power of God in this place. We want to know the glory of God in our lives. It's my hope and my prayer that that will be reflected in how we communicate and how we uh, speak. I've occasionally, I occasionally write out verses and stick them beside my computer. And especially when you're involved with debate and things like this. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are a gracious and loving God. We thank you for what you have granted to us. We thank you for the incredible mercy you have shown to us, the incredible forgiveness, the incredible kindness and compassion. We pray that you would help us to reflect that in our own lives and our own attitudes towards other people. Yes, we get angry. Yes, we get hurt. Yes, we are wounded. Yes, we see things that are so unfair. Yes, we are slandered 
and we are abused. But Lord, help us not to repay like with like. Help us not to slander and abuse. Help us not to brawl and fight even with words. But help us to speak the truth, yes, but to speak it in the love and power of Jesus Christ. May your blessing be upon each one of us here. May we know your forgiveness and may we know your empowering even in our speech as we go in to this new week. For we ask it in your name. Amen. You've been listening to a sermon from St. Peter's Free Church in Dundee, the historic church of Robert Murray McShane. For more sermon content, please visit our website at stpeters-dundee.org.uk. That's www.stpeters-dundee.org.uk. For information and training on persuasive evangelism and how to share your faith biblically, please visit the website of SOLAS, the Centre for Public Christianity, at solace-cpc.org. Once again, that's www.solas-cpc.org. Thanks for listening.